Hello and welcome back to JLXP. 10 thoughts heading into week four. Some really quick announcements right off the top. Uh, I appreciate all the people two weeks ago that left their thoughts on the episode format. I read all the comments and I want to make a few tweaks this week to see how that plays out. I'm not going to read the article in full. You can do that on all esports. I will kind of summarize what I wrote and then go into some additional thoughts, and I'm hoping that feels a little bit more natural. Also, if you haven't seen the episode Raz and I did on Tuesday about the TSM shenanigans, I would check that out because there was a lot to unpack there. And then also there was like, there was more TSM news today. Riot and the PA have a punishment for Reginald that I... I don't really want to get all the way into, but I will address because it's actually something that I did write about. I wrote 10 thoughts on like basically Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, then like literally what you would write about TSM changed the next day. But okay, I'll, I'll get into that when I, when I make it to TSM. But without further ado, I will get into my 10 thoughts after the LCS break week, heading into week four of the LCS. First team up is EG, who... <clears throat> I, I think I have kind of accidentally coined, and I think a lot of people ended up coining them like the week three LCS champions because they they won spring, obviously. And then we did so much buildup of this like MSI hangover, which had happened to every single team that has come back from MSI ever. And then the fact that they then started six and one and sit in first we're like well <laughs> i guess they just win then but that like completely discounts the fact that there are six or five more weeks there are uh sorry i'm blanking five five more weeks 11 more games and then a four-week playoffs before you can actually win the summer split and so much changes from week three until the finals and something that's going to be really interesting for eg coming into week four is they they actually took their break. So they didn't really have much time for a break after MSI, which is one of the ways they were able to win games right off the start. But while some teams made significant roster changes during the break week, a lot of other teams just practiced for two weeks. And EG took a full week off. A lot of the players went home. They're, we're going to hope to have some like vacation picks on broadcast. We've reached out to try and figure out like what they did to relax because I think it could be a fun moment. But that's that's them. And they have a really big game against TL, actually, which, if they lose, would put TL back in first, which which I'll close out EG real quickly. Like, there's actually no reason to doubt them right now. They have been the best team. They are the spring champions. They're solid all around. They're a smart team. Their team fighting is really, really good. So you do kind of expect them to win, but it's just like a note of caution that you expect a lot of things after three weeks of the LCS that are completely different by the end of the split. Like, there are teams, and I definitely realized this, um back in 2020 when I was internal seeing a lot of scrims, like there were teams early on in a split that you thought were like close to the worst teams in the league. And then they won the split. It was TSM in 2020 summer, but they started so bad and then managed to win the split at the end. So uh, anything can change is basically the note of caution there. Next team is going to be TL. And I, I, I kind of, 
I have to reevaluate this because I I was very hype on TL for the first two weeks. Then I kind of reevaluated that and compared them to CLG and said, hey, if I'm going to take credit away from TL for only beating easy opponents or from CLG for only beating easy opponents, then I have to take credit away from TL for only beating easy opponents. And I balanced that and it's like, okay, we shouldn't be giving them as much credit. And then they drop another game to 100 Thieves, which they actually did have a three dragon and a gold lead in that game. And then 100 Thieves flipped the Baron when it was one kill to one. And what most people talked about in that game was how boring it was rather than how close it was or how much hinged on the smite fight between Santorin and Closer. And what I've now realized, and I wrote another blurb in here that I'll actually kind of get into, where because of the things they have stated and because their expectations are so high, anything that deviates from what is essentially LCS perfection makes it seem like the house is on fire, which it really isn't because they only have to compete against the teams in the LCS as they are going to figure things out as any team does. So they are five and two. If they beat EG, they will be in first. And the things that haven't matched up is when you have Whippo in a post-match interview saying they're going to change the way they play and they're going to play through Cordage and Hansama. But then Whippo actually has the majority of the team's farm after 15 minutes, which not many top laners in the LCS have that. So Hansama's not finding his way to enough free waves post 15 minutes. Whippo possibly finding his way to too many. Danny, as an example, is well ahead of the rest of his team in CS percentage post 15 minutes because it is very clear for EG that Danny is the team fight carry. You also have them saying, Santorin and Bjergsen, that they want to play more proactively in the early and mid game, but then they pick drafts, which don't allow them to do that. So I do think they're going to make adjustments to these things and probably be fine. And I actually think because the expectations are so astronomically high that their five and two record is just like massively disappointing. But again, like last split, they were 14 and four. Uh, their best split ever was 15 and three. They've gone 14 and four multiple times where they've ended up winning the split. Like <clears throat> they're slightly behind what should be on track, but really they're still like close to the favorites to winning the split. <clears throat> Going to go on 100 Thieves. And <clears throat> I tried to answer the question in 10 Thoughts here about why do they seem so boring? I'd called them stale in the past as well. Their game against TL was very boring because it was one kill to one, 26 minutes and 30 seconds into the game. And then they flipped the Baron, found an engage and kind of won it. Abadage has been very poor in laning phase, but then has been quite good in the rest of the game. And I think why they feel boring is they are averaging negative, I have have here negative 507 gold at 15, which is third last in the league, but then still managed to go five and two, which I think speaks to their ability to team fight and actually still kill the enemy nexus which is what's most important but 
I've probably touched on this elsewhere, but I'll restate it here. Like, they're also boring because the ways that they were exciting aren't necessarily possible because of the changes to the game. And it's happened twice. So they've been LCS champions in 2021 summer, and they've been LCS second place in 2022 spring. After the summer split, teleport got changed. One of their biggest things was stacking waves bottom lane, using teleport and creating four-man dives. Another thing changed after spring split when that had already made them a little less aggressive because the unleashed teleport changes happened. But then the durability changes come in and turrets start hitting harder. So like literally they cannot do what they were very best at. So they are finding other ways to win. And right now that way of winning is play freaking slow and win team fights because you're still good. I hope they find a more exciting way. But that's why they're boring, and it's just not very exciting to watch. But they're still like very clearly going to be in the mix for winning the split. Next up, I have CLG. And the question here is, what is their next Seraphine? And the hype train for CLG was after the 3-0. And since then, they're actually 1-3. So they're four and three. So it's excusable because they beat C9 and TL. Sorry, they lost to C9 and TL last week, which you would expect them to do. Keep in mind, though, that TL lost to 100 Thieves and C9 lost to FlyQuest. So the only teams that C9 and TL beat last week was CLG. Not the best look. It's not like they're behemoths, but we kind of construct the narrative that oh yeah those are the top teams so CLG can't beat them but it, it is still somewhat derailing that they went 0-2 but I think the bigger question aside from their opponents is how do they actually generate victories and that's where the Seraphine question comes from I attributed a lot of their wins early to good team compositions generally manipulating how they played Seraphine or against Senna. And they did that very well, and they had some great play of poke comps. I do actually think that they have improved in their ability to execute aggressive plays between Spring Split and Summer Split. There's been fewer ints and more plays that work well. And I also think they rely a lot on Dokla generating pressure so that something else can happen on the map. So, like... Palafox is a mid laner who's good at moving and supporting plays. Luger and Poom, while I wanted them to be like big, huge carries for the team, can still be good, but I haven't seen them consistently be able to get lane leads that they can play through. So really, like they need Dokla to be on a strong pick to create action and be able to tee off aggressive plays from having a foot forward rather than trying to manufacture something out of nothing, which is usually when contracts gets into trouble because he's pushing too hard. But still still definitely a little undecided on these guys. And every week is going to be like a test week because they've been they were so bad in spring. Not so bad, six and twelve. But if we're gonna actually assess them as like a top five team, we have to be like very critical every time they do something good or bad. And it's it's really interesting to to track. Next team I want to talk about here is FlyQuest. And I realized something when I was looking at the stats for them because we keep talking about them being such a good Twitch team. And I've talked to other people like outside of broadcast. They're like, yeah, they're really good at Twitch. And, you know, you have to play Twitch differently than other 80 carries. Like it's, 
very different how you approach mid wave because you need to find different times to go and kill side lanes and you you just have to play the map much different than other AD carries. And then I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. And Johnson's been so good at Twitch. And then he's won one game and lost two. 66% of their losses because they're four and three. So maybe not everything it's cracked up to be. And they're four and three through the three weeks of summer. It's worse than they started spring. Like they jumped out to a massive start in spring. But I actually do think they are better now than they were. And I also think they are a good Twitch team, even though they've lost on Twitch. And I think it's just a reflection as how wins and losses don't always tell the whole story. I'm really excited, actually, about Johnson and Aphromu. They dunked on Berserker's Ven in their C9 win. A lot of people talk about Philip in the top lane, I think partially because he's new and a lot of people expect him to be quite bad and he's okay. But actually like I, I still think he's probably the lowest performer on the team. So Takui and Jose, JD, our boy <laughs> are also doing well. Like I, I just really like this team. So I don't have this in the 10 thoughts, but like when I think about them, I probably have them as my favorite for fifth now, like my new favorite for fifth. Not CLG, not TSM, with the top four obviously being the top four. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, They play TSM on Sunday, and most of the community conversation is going to be about how, like it's, it's all just going to be about TSM. But don't sleep on FlyQuest. They're actually really interesting. Next team up, Cloud9. <laughs> this one's funny to me. Uh, I put more Yasuo. So C9 is difficult to evaluate, right? They started 0-3 when they had three-fifths of their roster, didn't have their bot lane. Then they started 3-0 once they had Zven and Berserker, but then they had this like pretty bad loss to FlyQuest. And they're going to play uh, TSM right away and like on Saturday and then Immortals on Sunday. So they're probably going to be 2-0 and I still won't really know what to think of this team. <laughs> what is what is funny to me though is like Jensen playing so much of this Yasuo, Yon, Gragas, like super high execution, synergy heavy stuff with Blabber and the Yon won one of two. One of them was without Sven Berserker and the Yasuo lost one of one. I think they'll keep doing it, but like in the back of my head, I'm just kind of waiting for them to just pick him Oriana. Like when's the dude going to play Oriana? He's super good at it. And I think, I still think they're going to be able to default back on that when they feel more like they need wins. It definitely feels like because of the zero three start and because they're, they're falling behind a little bit of standings. The, the idea of them trying to go for a top two seed, I don't think they're going for that because Otherwise, they would be drafting Oriana, Zir, and Victor for and Corky for Jensen. But instead, they're they're more trying to practice to be more versatile. And like, I can definitely respect that. But it's also definitely like a honeymoon phase. I think with Jensen and Blauer being back together, they're trying to do all this stuff. And the more I see it not work, the more I'm just waiting for it to go back to control mages. Next up, Golden Guardians. <clears throat> Don't have super nice things to say about Golden Guardians. I wrote about the Kane is good here. And if you missed that, 
it was their EG game where they played Yon Mid, Yasuo Bot with a Zach Jungle and inspired one player of the game with Kane. And then we asked him in the post-match interview, like, why did you pick Kane? And he's like, Falcon, when we were in draft, said, uh, Kane is good here. And inspired was like, hey, Kane is good here. And I just wrote, if Kane is good here is a true statement that the other team makes in the draft, something's probably gone wrong. Because Kane is rarely good here. Like, in pro play. Let's be completely honest. And he ran over the game. So, that was ambitious. Golden Guardians actually has won games off of ambitious drafting. I would say their TSM win when they put Mundo bot lane with Senna was actually a draft win. I think this most recent one was closer to a draft loss, but they're, they're kind of going for home run drafts. And I didn't write about this part, but there is going to be a larger question that I continue to ask of this team as like, what, I just want to know like what their plan is, what they're moving towards because they're in split four of this rebuild and there's a whole lot more to unpack, but I just feel like they are stuck in a malaise and I'm wondering how they'll, they'll break out of it. Next team up is TSM. (laughs) What the This is what I wrote. Depending on which day I write the TSM section, it could be something completely different. Because literally every day, something new happens with TSM. It's a leak on Doublelift Stream. It's an update on an investigation. It's a, what was today? A different update on the investigation where they got fined $75,000. You should go read about it on on Reddit and check the LCSPA because I think they have much more informed opinions than what I'm going to be able to give you because I didn't look heavily into the investigation, but they've changed 60% of their LCS roster. They've removed two academy players. They've put Tactical and Mia into academy. They're putting a 17-year-old AD carry to start. They're putting Soul in because Huni retired because of wrist issues, but Huni himself didn't actually say he'd retired. They had conflicting announcements. They said one, he stepped down from the LCS to help coach. The other one said he retired. Like there's so much that is just exploding out of this TSM team. Like how could they possibly beat C9? Q them beating C9. Like it could actually happen. It makes them incredibly entertaining. It is completely on fire. And I made a whole podcast about this with Raz. And I'm sure people will continue to just devour TSM content. I'm going to I'm going to put a pin in it for now because there will always be something to talk about with this ridiculous team. All right, next team, Dignitas. My question here is who brings hope to the team? Um something that isn't talked about that often is the mental toll that it takes to lose in a professional setting. Being a bottom-tier team in a league, LCS especially, because of how much vitriol you get from people who don't even watch the league. They'll just like watch a clip of you and say you're a terrible player. So it's incredibly important for those teams that something can bring hope and positivity or even just a plan. Like, what is it that Dignitas is driving towards? Like, what is it that gives them energy? Because in Lock-In, I think a lot of it was the river hype and then also Biofrost being back in the LCS. And they had this clear 
in-game identity that River was going to do this creative pathing thing and they die bot lane. So one, you can't really do that anymore because the turrets are so much more powerful. Two, it didn't really work that well towards the end of spring. And then three, I just do not know what they have for energy because whenever they show their player cams, they just look sad. And I, I think on paper, the team is good. Like Blue is playing quite well. Gamsu has not delivered on expectations, but he's about comparable to Fake God, in my opinion. River, still quite good, not performing well. The, like, the, the shine is gone. Maybe he's trying to push too far. Neo's still really good in team fights. Bowerfrost's still smart, right? Like they, but they just don't have that ability to really sync it all together. So I want to see. I want to see. It's going to be tough when there's all the teams above you in the standings and you start two and five. Last team, Immortals. I really did not write much at all about Immortals. I I was happy with this joke. I'm surprised they let me publish it. I just said there's an old saying, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And literally that was the end of the article. Like I just didn't type Immortals because it was so hard. Like I, I said stuff on the analyst desk that was definitely a little mean-spirited and I don't want to contribute too much to the toxicity. Like they are struggling right now. And part of it, I think, is that they just don't match up right now with their current play styles as a cohesive team. Uh, part of that is Ken be coming in and trying to match up with Power of Evil, who I think is playing slightly below his level, but has always been a more passive player, whereas Kenby has spent two years just kind of running over kids in Academy. So that's just a huge mismatch of styles. And there's probably a lot more going on. Like they're in they're in the toughest spot. I would love to see them get a couple wins. Cause I like again, like if I this is a bit off topic of, of just immortals, but like I understand Kenvy's decision to go to Immortals. Like there's a lot of hesitation for top Academy prospects to go to what they could would consider bottom tier teams, partly because of what you see playing out with Kenby right now. But if you look at that team on paper, like Ignar Poe, that was at one time a world's combo. Like last year, Poe won more regular season games than any other mid laner did. Revenge has looked pretty decent. Like it was, it was a fine situation on paper to go into if you're gonna, you know, you have a lot of confidence in yourself. Spika won an MVP with Power of Evil as a mid laner, so it's not like you can't succeed as a jungler with Poe. And it's just, it's not it right now. So. Hope for them. Uh, that's it. That's my 10 thoughts. It actually took a while. I think I, I hopefully didn't ramble too much, but I, I really appreciate everyone who watched it last week. I'm going to continue to try and do these. I'm going to continue to try and mix up the format a little bit. I I think this one felt a little more natural, but you're going to have to tell me and keep tuning in for, for more JLXP. I'm going to be doing the recap episode after Sunday of week four. That'll release Monday at 6 a.m. And then I'm going to continue to do these 10 thoughts series that will release concurrently with the 10 Thoughts article 10 a.m. on Thursdays. So stay tuned for that week over week, and I'll, I'll try and keep up. Thanks. See you next time.